everyone. Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. This is episode five in season two. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. If you want to learn more about the meal plans, visit getmealplans.com. Today, we are talking with one of our longtime members, and he's such an incredible guy. And yes, I said guy. I know we don't get too many guys on the podcast, so it's all the more exciting to have Aaron here today. But Aaron has been a Herbie of the Week, so if you haven't read his story on happyherbivore.com, do go check that out. He's also in the Happy Herbivore Guide to Plant-Based Living, so if you have that book, definitely see Aaron's story. But I'll just go ahead and say, hey, Aaron, and let him introduce himself. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, oh, I really appreciate you. the opportunity to come on today. This is uh, fantastic. And... Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on kind of some of the stuff that brought me to you in the past and how I got to where I'm at today. And uh, then we can go from there if you've got any questions beyond that. Yeah, I just think um, everyone would love to hear your story because, and well, one thing, of course, is that you've been plant based for four and a half years, but you're about 90%. I know you're going to explain that. But also, you're a firefighter, and that was for 23 years. And so I think people would really love to hear that too. Right, right. So, um, kind of what brought me to this, and I, I definitely will touch on the fire fighting side and then the uh, 90 to 95% side. But what brought me into this was in September of 2011, I went for my annual physical and my, my cholesterol was, was up. And so immediately the doctor writes me a prescription says, well, I'm going to put you on this, this medication here. And I, I kind of sat there for a second and I wasn't quite sure what to think about all of that. And then the next thing I know, I asked him, well, what about, diet and exercise. And, and I, I kid you not, as he actually said this, if it tastes good, you can't eat it. Oh I paused for a moment and I thought, okay, hold on a minute. Let me process that. And then I said to him, I said, you do realize what I do for a living and the importance of food to us. And he goes, okay, well, once a month you can have something. And I, I took a prescription and I walked out of there kind of dejected thinking, this isn't right. Some, I, I, I'm not feeling right about this. I didn't feel so unright about it that I didn't go and get the prescription filled. I went and got the prescription filled and thought, well, okay, I'll start this and uh, we'll go from there. And um, realizing at that point in time, you know what, I've got to be an advocate for myself. Um, I, I, I have to take charge of this. So my wife and I had been shopping at Whole Foods and, you know, they've got, uh, they've got a book section usually. And, and, uh, a couple of times I had actually picked up Rip Esselstyn's book, uh, The Engine 2 Diet, and flipped through it, and I thought, well, this is coming from a firefighter. Um, yeah, there's got to be some information here. But I would flip through it, and I would put it down, and I'd go on my merry way. So after that appointment, I, I went and I actually picked up the book. And at the same time, my wife had picked up um, The Kind Diet. And so we read them simultaneously, and as it turns out, they shared a lot of information and uh, there's a lot of things that I saw and a lot of questions were answered. And of course, the big one, you know, well, where do you get your protein? Mm-hmm. Not only have I been asked that, I'm sure you've been asked that repeatedly. Oh, yes. as, as a, <laughs> right. And, and everybody in the plant-based world is, is asked that. And I, myself, when I wasn't plant-based, would find somebody else or somebody who says, oh, I'm a vegan. Oh, you are? Uh, well, where do you get your protein? I didn't care <laughs> yeah. about anything else. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how much protein they were supposed to get. Um, but I, I felt that I better ask a question so I could make sure, you know, that they were okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's amazing how, how quickly, um, uh, we all become nutritional experts when we, when we, <laughs> when we find this stuff out. So I, I read that book. Um, and then from there, that's where, uh, the, the learning really began and, for me, and I, I know I spoke about this is when I was um, the Herbie of the Week and then in the book, I made the mistake of coming home and telling everybody, I'm now a vegan. Mm. And prior to that, I was kind of this, you know, the, uh, what do they call me? The, the ambassador of all things bacon. I mean, just, <laughs> I, I, I could sit down and have bacon and eggs for breakfast, a BLT for lunch and a bacon cheeseburger for dinner. I wouldn't think twice about it. I, I wouldn't give it a second thought. Um, so the, to continue on with the story is that I started making these changes and I cut out dairy. I cut out meat, uh, tried to reduce oil as much as I could. I know that um, 
that's that's been a difficult one too. Um, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit more as to to completely do away with oil because it's ingrained in your. I know for me personally to cook. Oh, you want to have something? Okay, you want to have stir fry? Well, you better start with oil. So you want to have some potatoes for breakfast? You better start with oil. So that that one's been a tough one also. And then of course it's in my favorite food probably of all time is potato chips. So that mm-hmm. in and of itself is. I, I, I'm so addicted to those things. In fact, Lisa was teasing me the other day. We were watching a movie and some lady was in a, uh, she was eating chips kind of secretly. And she told people, don't tell it, told the folks, don't tell me when you saw me eating these potato chips. And she turned right to me and said, that's you right there. I said, oh, I <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I went plant-based. I cut my diet down. Uh, significantly as far as getting rid of meat and dairy. I went back to the doctor three months later and got a checkup. Cholesterol was down. Blood pressure was down to the point where I basically took myself off the blood pressure medicines. I I had been on those for years. We had watched it creep up, but it got to the point where we couldn't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I did away with the blood pressure medicines. And at the three-month mark, I asked the doctor, hey, look, my numbers are better. Uh, can I come off the cholesterol medicines? No, you know what? You better take half. What? Half. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because he asked me about my diet, and you're, you're also you're going to love this. Also, he goes, "Well, what have you done with your diet?" And I said, "Well, basically, I've become a vegan." His response: <laughs> "Well, I guess you're getting enough fiber then." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, we even made my dog laugh. <laughs> I, I just, I walked out of there, but once you start to do the, the research on how much nutritional education the standard MD is getting in school, comments like that make sense to you because it's anywhere between, what, zero and four hours, maybe the entire time they're in school. And most of that is usually so, about like breastfeeding or um, uh-huh. like pregnancy. So it's extremely limited and not really applicable to everyone. Right. So and, it's really like zero. So, yeah. And I think in, in fact, if, uh, in Dr. Gregor's new book, I don't know if you've if read that yet or started reading that, but he touches on that specifically in the state of California. I want to say that it got reduced to that, that it doesn't even need to be taught. I could be speaking out of school, but I thought I read somewhere in there that it's really nothing in the state that's being taught nutrition wise. Right. And most new, most medical schools, like you said, it's four hours total. That's like out of all the hours. And, um, and a lot of schools, nutrition isn't even offered at all. And some schools it's an elective, but I think that's like only 30%. And of course we all remember what it was like to be in school electives that you, if you take them, you have to want to, and usually it's, Oh, did it work in my schedule? So not very many people take it. No. And, and that's, that's the thing is, and I think, you know, it goes back to his comment. Well, at least you're getting enough fiber. So it was at that appointment at the three month mark, I decided when I walked out, I'm not renewing this prescription. I'm not going to take any more of these meds. I'm really going to focus on diet and exercise only. And, uh, when I went back three months later, the numbers were even better. That's amazing. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I had a friend that stories a lot like you is she went in and the doctor said, you need to take this, this and this and take all these pills. And she was like you, she walked out and was like, this doesn't sound right. And she read uh, the engine two diet too, coincidentally, and she adopted a plant-based diet. And she went back a few months later and the doctor's like, look, wow, patting himself on the back as her numbers were so great. Look, all those medicines I told you to take are working so good. She never took one. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Um, I, and I, I remember years ago, I was in the emergency room. Uh, we had dropped off a patient and we were finishing the paperwork and I was talking with the doctor about prescriptions. And now this is many years ago, but the doctors, I, I asked something along the lines of why does everybody leave with a prescription or what's, what's the purpose? And he said, people feel that when they go to see their doctor, when they leave, they have to have something in their hands. They want, they want something. And typically, it's in the form of a prescription. They don't want advice necessarily of don't do this or don't do that. They want to walk away with a prescription. And that was 25 years ago. That's interesting. It makes a lot of sense, but it's interesting. Yeah, I was uh, kind of surprised. Um, but then later on, you know, as I, I went further in my career, I, I could kind of see that, especially dealing with uh, patients on a consistent basis. Um, as far as the story goes, though, uh, 
like you said, four and a half, I'm four and a half years into it. I'm still eating 90 to 95% of my diet is plant-based at home. I'm hundred percent typically at work. It, it's funny because there's the vegan versus vegetarian line gets a little blurred with some folks out there. And for instance, I'll go and have a meal and, and they'll find out, oh, okay, hey, great. We uh, made you this uh, meal with, uh, without any meat. Okay, great. Thanks, you guys. What, what is it? Oh, grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato <laughs> soup. Yeah. Okay. And there's kind of a golden rule in it. Maybe, I can, maybe this will uh, shed some light on it. Dinner, a meal, dinner at the firehouse is as much a social event as it is a meal. And, and kind of what I mean by that, what I try to explain to folks is, in the past, I've worked at firehouses that will have a fire engine and an ambulance. And they're relatively busy, and both may run calls together, or both may run independently, um, and kind of cross paths throughout the day. But you may not see each other all day, and we try to make it a point to be together at dinner time. And that's truly, it's family time inside the firehouse there. And it's an opportunity to catch catch up. And like most families, what brings a lot of families together, what's the focal point for a lot of gatherings is food. So we get together, we have these large meals or, you know, and like I said, in the, uh, uh, in the book, most of our grocery shopping starts in the meat section. We go to the meat section, we see what's on sale, what we want to have, and we'll find out from there. And then we kind of branch out. So it's, it's not uncommon, or that's why I say that I'm 90, 95%, because a lot of times I'll have a meal and it may have a little bit of dairy or it may have just a little bit of meat. I'm usually lucky, lucky enough that I can eat the side dishes and eat kind of around that. I've been pretty successful doing that, but occasionally, like I said, a little dairy or meat might make its way into uh, what I'm having that night. Right. And I think we've all been through that. I remember when I was young and I was a vegetarian, my grandmother was like, um, I made chicken noodle soup and I scooped the chicken pieces out just for you. So it was vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel like sometimes and, people don't know that they'll like make you tomato soup with chicken broth or beef broth and not realize like, Oh, I was supposed to use vegetable broth. No. And like I said, and the, you know, the one golden rule about firehouse dinners is you never complain about what's served. You do that and you'll get an invitation real quick. Oh, I bet. Um, (laughs) But like I said, my my crews have been really supportive over the years. They'll typically, like I said, they'll they'll typically cook something. They'll put the meats on the side. They'll put the dairy on the side. They'll go limited dairy. We've had some meals where every we'll we'll cook this large meal, and there's absolutely no meat or dairy in the meal at all. Um, In the summertime, we'll go to a local farmer's market or we'll go to the grocery store buy a whole bunch of vegetables, we'll grill those, we'll put them on with some pasta or some, some type of uh, noodles, um, lots of stir fry and that type of stuff. So they're, they've been very accommodating and uh, great to work with when it comes to that. Now, that said, there's times when I'm on vacation or if I'm away and I'll get a text message of, you know, slab of meat on the barbecue or <laughs> something like that. They'll taunt me a little bit. But for the most part, they've all been been very supportive and there's and it's kind of expanding when I'm, I'm finding out that there's a few more of us that are plant-based and there uh, are quite a few that ask questions I actually got a phone call from one of my buddies one day he said hey I just want you to know I'm going actually it was a text message he says hey I'm going uh, vegan for a month so my first response was I think somebody has stolen your phone who is this <laughs> uh, but he tried it for a month he went uh, plant-based completely plant-based 100% for a month um, said he felt great. He lost weight and now he's tapered it to where, um, he's back to eating a little meat and dairy, but not in the portions he was before. So it's very encouraging to see that. Yeah, that's really awesome. And it's so nice and encouraging too, to hear that your mates are so supportive of you. Cause I think that's something a lot of men struggle with is they think they're going to be teased. And I know that's part of the culture of men anyways, you guys kind of rag on each other as a sign of affection. But I think a lot of times when it really comes down to it, when they see that you're serious and they care about you, they, they might tease you a little bit, but they are seriously, you know, going to try to help support you or at least not stand in your way. Oh no. I mean, they've, the ribbing in the firehouse, that's just, that's just everyday life. And I think even Rip talks about that in, in his book. And there, you know, there was a time we had a, 
we had a bedroom fire and once the fire was out, we were doing, you know, doing a little work to kind of secure everything. And I was trying to take a ceiling fan down and I got to tell you, I was having the hardest time taking the ceiling fan down and I don't know why, but I was really struggling. And all of a sudden I hear this, Hey, and I turn over to my right and there's my two crew members. And they just, the comment was, you know, if you ate meat, that would have been done. By now. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I so knew it. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, no, they've all been very supportive and, uh, the ribbing is, is what it is. And, uh, I don't really let it, you know, be the, the focal point. I, I try to eat by example and, you know, and again, like I said, every once in a while, I'll eat a little, uh, I'll, I'll eat a little outside of the, the plant-based diet. And, uh, it's funny that because sometimes people will find out that you're plant-based and I don't know if you've ever gotten this or not, or any of the listeners have ever gotten this, but it's funny because they'll say, it's, they ask it in the form of a question, but it's phrased as a statement. You still eat meat once in a while, right? Oh, yeah, I get oh. that. Yeah, you shoot every now and then, right? I'm like, no, I really, just, I don't want to. That's why it's not a diet. I'm not on a diet. <laughs> this is my lifestyle. Yeah, and, and I don't know if they're saying that for us or to make them feel better. I think they're just like so shocked. Like, there's no way they're really doing this all the time to yeah. make themselves and, feel better. Uh, and yeah, and I don't know, maybe that's why I, I hang on to that 90 to 95%. But like I said, then again, some of that's just out of necessity, whether it be at work or um, if, I'm, if I'm out on some type of an assignment, you know, where, oh, here you go. Here's what you're going to have. Oh, um, okay. Well, I'm really, really hungry. And it's my only option. So. I'm really glad you brought that up because you and I, we've talked many times. You've been a terrific resource to me over the years, which I appreciate because I know not just for being Herbie of the Week when I was writing my book, but I've done some guy series and you've always, you know, been a source of resources and letting me ask as many questions as I want. And one thing you did tell me once was that um, there are situations, and I think police officers, firefighters, anyone in this kind of line of work could get into it where there is a major emergency and and you guys are out in the field for a really long time and you have to eat because you can't skip a meal. You need those calories to continue helping the public. Um, and so you've had to bend on those occasions because it's an emergent nature. Usually on those, I, I, this, was, this was many, many years ago and you'll, you'll kind of like, this will crack you up, but this was a long, long time ago. We had a, a really large wildland fire in our county and we were out there for just hours on end. Well, as it turns out, they went and got food for us. So one of the uh, chiefs at the time walks up. He goes, hey, have you guys had a chance to eat? I said, no. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a couple of cheeseburgers for my buddy and I. And I go, oh, not, not sure. Okay. But nowadays, the, usually some of the stuff, if we're out there for long, long, long periods of time, they try to diversify. I know that there was a couple of years back we were out for a pretty long amount of time and they were able to get some, some fruits and some, uh, Oh, some granola bars and, uh, that type of stuff. So I must be, uh, I must be plant-based too long. Cause that was my thought. Why didn't they bring you granola bars and fruit? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. I, I tell you, there's, there's nothing to, to change your appetite than have a guy reach into his pocket and grab you a cheeseburger and say, here you go. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, is he being serious? Was it really in his pocket? Because that makes it even more unappetizing. Yeah, you know, that we, well, we've got the large pockets on our pants. That's our, so true. Our, oh, gross. On our pants. And he, he just reached in and I thought, well, okay. Um, and this was back when I was still eating meat and dairy. And at that point, you're so hungry, you just don't care. And he dropped it on the ground. I probably would have still picked it up and ate it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we can get, you know, granola bars and, and some fruits and that on extended incidents. Um, some of the stuff is like when we go, you see a lot of these wildfires where they'll send, you know, hundreds, if not a couple thousand firefighters to them. And, and those meals that go out are typically either meat or non-meat. And the non-meat versions of those lunches are usually vegetarian. But there's enough in them typically with some fruits, uh, bars, nuts, that kind of thing that you can, you can eat and get by. Now, those lunches are made for the folks that are really out there on the line burning thousands of calories a day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, typically, in, in those situations, when I go out, I usually work more in a support, a support role, so I don't need the, you know, the 3,000 calorie lunch, but uh, I can usually pick around, and every once in a while, we'll get hummus on a, on a uh, tortilla or one thing that they give it's those, uh, what are they, the Uncrustables, those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I've seen those. Um, those are almost packed into every one of those lunches. And uh, usually, like I said, there's enough that you can, uh, if you are 100% plant-based, you could get your way through. It would be pretty easy to do. But like I said, if, you, if you're going to cheat a little bit or if, you, if you're just that hungry that you're going to eat outside your diet and just get the vegetarian lunch and you should be fine. Right, right, right. If the situation warrants, you know, you don't have to go all the way to the cheeseburger from a pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that was, yeah, that was, that was a different one. One of my favorite, I mean, your story is awesome, but one of my favorite things is you're a firefighter. And I think most of us, um, when we think of firefighters, we think of these very active, very athletic people. And that's often very much the case. Rip Esselstyn, for example, was a former triathlete. But you actually described yourself as a couch potato. And you actually, in going plant-based, became an avid runner. Like, you do marathons and triathlons now. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. So certainly, prior prior to that Kind of what also that same month was every year um, locally here, we do in September, we do a memorial run for September 11th and we do, it's called the uh, stair climb. And what the stair climb is, they take a local high rise and firefighters will don their gear and they'll climb this high rise the number of times of stories that equals one of the, 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 uh, the towers, if that kind of makes any oh, sense. Oh, okay, kind of. right. Yeah, the floors. I get yeah. that. Okay. <clears throat> the, yeah, the number of floors. There you go. So I went out. It was the 10th anniversary of September 11th, and I went out to do the memorial run, and we all started walking. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to walk this. I'm going to run this 5K or whatever it is. And I got done. I thought, I am really out of shape. This is not <laughs> good. Given what I do for a living, I should be in, in a little bit better shape. And I guess I worked out occasionally, but it wasn't consistently. So I went, and this is, you know, in the world of smartphones and apps, I went and got an app that walked me through uh, becoming a runner. I mean, it, you would start the app and it would tell you when to walk, when to run, when to rest. It was fantastic. And I started with that and just really got more into running. And that was in September. And in April, I ran a marathon. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I will say this. Um, if you're going to run a marathon, I wholeheartedly recommend a training plan. My training plan was just I kind of ran consistently. And the longest run I did in preparation for that marathon was only 10 miles. That oh, my Lord. That was not a good choice. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so a couple of marathons, some halves. I did a half Ironman with a buddy of mine, which was pretty cool to do. We had a we had a lot of fun getting ready for it, and just uh, doing that was uh, was pretty neat. I know I'm I'm doing a half marathon next weekend, and then I've got another one coming up in May. So uh, for me, the key was was getting that app, getting it any, and there's a bunch of different apps out there that will walk you through the process, but getting the app and then investing in good running shoes. You can't go to the local, you know, Target or Walmart or whatever store you have in your area and just go back and pick up a pair of uh, $20 tennis shoes. I, I, I made that mistake and I, I paid for it until somebody finally recommended to me, go invest the money, go to a, go to a store that specializes in that, talk with them and let them put you in the right shoe. That was a big deal right there. I agree. And I had bought like, um, my, the first time I ran a marathon, I went and bought like, not even the cheapest shoe, but like, a, you know, like a $40 shoe or something. I'm like, these are great. This is a reputable company. And I was just miserable. I was tearing all my toenails off. I was getting blisters. And then someone's like, if you are serious about running a marathon, then put forth the $120, $150, go to a running store, get fitted for the right running shoe. And I was like, I don't know, it's so expensive. But then I'm like, I'm spending so much time running and like, I don't want to have sore feet. So I bit the bullet and oh, it changed everything. There's nothing, you know, it's kind of funny because when I went to get my first pair of shoes, you know, they, 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 they make you get barefoot and then they watch you walk. And then they put, they give, bring out different types of shoes and they said, okay, go ahead and take them out and try them out. I go, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, go run around for a while. Oh, I get to test drive these shoes. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been able to really do that. And, uh, so since then I go to the same place consistently to get my shoes, which they're very helpful. And I've been very pleased that that, that is key. You've really got to invest. If you're going to, if you're going to spend that much time on the road running, make sure that you uh, take care of your feet. 
Absolutely. And one thing I like that you even brought up, well, one that you brought up marathons and having a training plan, because that's something that's been coming up a lot this season on the podcast is I've been saying to people, if you did decide to run a marathon, you wouldn't walk outside today and go run 26 miles. You would start with one mile and slowly increase until you had the, you know, strength physically, mentally to run the full marathon. And as you're now attesting, it's not a bad choice to only get up to 10 Um, But that's the same thing with diet. A lot of people expect to like, okay, I'm going to become plant-based. And then they want to run the marathon the next day. And it's it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. You have to train for it. And that's basically what you're telling us is it's like, it's real. You have to have the training plan in place and make these steps. And maybe you never get all the way to 100%, but 95 is amazing. It's still an A plus in school. No, and and I agree, especially, well, I'll I'll touch on both. The running... any exercise, you, you can't, you can't go and just, you know, there's no way I could get on my bike today and go out and do 112 miles without training for it. I just, I couldn't do it. That was a big mistake. And I probably risked more injury by going out and running that marathon with only training 10 miles than anything. Um, so I, lesson learned there, the next marathon I did after that, my buddy and I trained very consistently and made sure that we had a very good plan in place. And we stuck to that plan uh, very closely. As, as far as plant-based, and I, I know that I mentioned this um, on the website and then in the book, is I just snapped my fingers and overnight decided to be vegan. Personally, for me, if I, if I recommend to anybody, you, you have to go slowly. And I believe uh, Rip in his book talks about a couple of different uh, 28 day plans, I want to say. Yeah, he has like Fire Cadet and yeah, you're right. It's a number of different approaches. Whether it's like you said, you snap your fingers overnight or you phase into it. Yeah. And I I think phasing into it might be a little bit better for some people. Um, And others are very, they're very disciplined. They can just decide overnight to do it. But um, if when I talk with people now and they ask me about it, I usually recommend easing into it a little bit, cutting, cutting things out uh, and uh, slowly but surely going, you know, going through the process a little bit at a time. I think also that seems to make the transition easier for some people, because if, if you tell them, if you just walk into their house and say, all right, let me have all the meat and dairy and, and all the processed foods and all the junk and leave, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. But if you go about it slowly, then I think they're a little more apt to, to join along or, or um, looking into that lifestyle a little bit more. Yeah, it's very true. And I mean, there are definitely both approaches work. I've known people who love both and recommend both. There's the overnight people and there's the people who phase into it. And uh, I've seen successes and failures in both. There are some personalities, like you said, that are a very strong personality. They love the personal challenge and two, they're all or nothing. So, for example, I have a friend with, that had to just give up alcohol. It's, it's all or nothing with him. Um, and so f- for the, you know, that kind of a personality, it's great. But I think realistically, like you said, you kind of have to do it. I was a vegetarian first. And I tell people, like, this is me 10 years in, guys. You know, I got to this place. You know, first I was not eating meat. Then I wasn't eating cheese. Then I wasn't eating eggs. Then I was eating getting rid of the substitutes because I was using Boca burgers and then I was eating more mm-hmm. whole foods and then I got rid of oil and then I kept back sugar. But this is over 10 years. So if you think right. about and it, it's been one big long transition and I'm still going. <laughs> I'm still changing. <laughs> but that's great because that's good for other people to see so, mm-hmm. so that they don't feel that they're alone or that they're, um, they're the only ones doing it. And, you know, it's funny you talk about the Boca burgers and the, those types of foods. I, I, I can remember there was a podcast I listened to. It was a, the guy was vegan. He was an athlete and he made a comment one day about if you're going to eat some of those transitional foods or those, you know, the fake meats and that type of stuff, well, you might as well eat the real thing. And I've not done the research on that to know, but it was funny because later on down the road, I remember him saying, well, if you're either vegan or you're not, you can't be vegan ish. And I thought, mm, I don't know about that. Hold on a minute. No, <laughs> Let's take a different approach to that. But yeah, some of those uh, transitional foods too, you know, like you said, the Boca burgers and that kind of stuff, which I'm sure if I read the ingredients on some of that stuff, I'd, I would probably be horrified. 
but that that again, I think that's one of those that, that's one of those treats every once in a while. Is to have oh, absolutely! I ha- I love a, a vegan hot dog at a baseball game once or twice a year. It's just, it's fun. I mean, do I don't have to have it? I could certainly enjoy the baseball game without it, but it's fun because food does invoke feelings and memories, and it and it can be fun and there can be treats. I'm not saying I never have a Boca Burger. Every once in a while, I want one, and I think they can be incredibly helpful for a lot of people during transition. I think it was the episode before this. There was a girl who talked about how people told her not to eat any of the substitutes because they don't taste the same and it would just make her really upset and disappointed. But she finally gave in and tried them and found it actually made it easier for her to stay consistent and to stay vegan because it gave her a comfort of knowing if she suddenly just really missed her mom's mac and cheese, even if it didn't taste the same, she could have that mac and cheese. And so again, it's just knowing yourself and having what you need to succeed. And that's why I get mad when people are like, well, you're vegan or you're not, there's no vegan-ish. I'm like, you can't make it that way because it it's not, the ideology is not important. It's the long-term success. No, I, I agree. And, and truly the only person that you have to be responsible to is the person who stares back at you in the mirror. That's kind of the way I look at this. I, and and we, we try to eat by example. You know, at home, I'm 100%. But my wife is, is uh, what's the term? Is it, is it pescatarian or pesco-vegetarian? I've, I've read both. Pescatarian um, is a person who eats fish and likely cheese and eggs. So she still has, that's, okay, then that's, that's her there. She'll still have some seafood once in a while, uh, a little cheese and egg occasionally. But if, I, if, like last night, I cooked all plant-based, okay, she ate all plant-based. I mean, if I cook all plant-based or there's a lot of times... We had, uh, what did we have the other night? Uh, that's definitely, uh, I'm going to eat too much of in the future. Your pad thai pizza. Oh, that's, yeah. Everyone is obsessed with the pad thai pizza on the meal plans right now. And for good reason. I've had it four times myself. <laughs> At first one I was making, I thought, I'm putting peanut butter and hummus. I'm, okay. What about, <laughs> that, how's, how's that going to be? And we sat there and ate it, and I thought, oh, boy, okay, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's good. So, yeah, she, she made, uh, um, you know, we had the, is it the, the Mexicali quinoa? Is that what you, um, is that it? From the, oh, Mexicali couscous. Yeah, it's the Mexicali couscous. Oh, couscous. But um, okay. the quinoa is the gluten-free option for our folks that can't have Okay. Gluten. I couldn't shovel that stuff in fast enough. It was phenomenal. Oh, um, good. I'm glad to hear that. That was uh, very good. In fact, she made a batch when I was at work. Took some, she, I came home the next morning. There was a bunch left, and I think I ate all of all of it that remained. So, oh she wow! Didn't well, that means you really liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you? But, um, so do, yeah. do, does your wife do most of the cooking from the meal plans, or do you do it too? Because I know your you, your work schedule is different than a lot of people's. Is you're on you're usually there for like twenty four to thirty six hours, so it's a little different than a nine to five. We work a forty-eight hour shift. Okay, it's so forty-eight hours. Today. I wasn't sure. And then, and then we're off. Yeah, and then we're off. So you know what? We share cooking duties. Typically, when I'm off, I'll do all the cooking because she works. She works about ten-hour days. So on like on days that I'm off and then I'm at home, I'll cook. Um, on the weekends, we'll kind of share it. Just depends. We we really just kind of split those duties. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a. And, and there are those days, Lindsay, where it'll be six o'clock and just decide, well, what do you want to have? And I'll, you know, we'll throw something together. Or we, in our, in our house for years, it's been known as scrounge night. Hey, you're on your own, <laughs> just scrounge for something to eat. But yeah, we share the cooking duties primarily. We haven't done a lot of batch cooking yet. That's just a matter of bringing our schedules together. And you make it look so easy with your hour-long videos. I got to tell you, that's just phenomenal. <laughs> well, there's one coming up too, so get get excited. Oh, excellent. Yeah. When we had batch cook in the past, that's fantastic because you know there's everything ready to go. And I love seeing the pictures that people post of their refrigerators with the um Oh, I know, you know it's so inspiring. Containers. And I'm thinking, holy moly, look how easy that is because you know for the next several days or week exactly what you're gonna have and when you're gonna have it. And um Yeah, it's amazing. That's good. But, yeah, we share the cooking duties primarily. That's that's so good too, and it's also you don't have to batch cook. I mean, only fifty percent of the members do it, and it but it is really cool if it works for you and you can. And I also know some of our members are retired or they're students, and so they ha- they like the excuse to cook because it gives them something to do or gives them a break or or they just enjoy it. I, it's their way to 
de-stress at the end of the day. So that's, you don't have to do it, but it is really nice. And I love seeing all those pictures in the member group and in the forums. And even on Instagram of the people's, like you said, refrigerators with all the containers and labels. I'm like, who wouldn't want to come home to that? Yeah. Well, and you get a lot of ideas from that too. The, the community has been really great as far as sharing, sharing their ideas, sharing what they've done, whether, you know, or any, I, I like a lot of the questions that they're asking because I learn too, you know, you, you realize, oh, I never thought about that, but hey, that's a great question. So, and you've been and at it for four and a half stuff. years. You're still learning. I'm still learning. People teach me things every day after ten years, and I think that's the kind of the amazing part about it being a journey and not a diet. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, it's. I hope to never stop learning. Um, that's the. I think that's the best part about this is it's always something. There's always something new, and and especially when you get into this eating this way, eating, you know, taking on the, the whole foods, plant based lifestyle is you don't realize the number of resources that are out there and available to you. One book leads to another, which leads to another, or one website to another leads. I mean, you know, for the athletes out there, you, you look at Rick, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's a former triathlete. And then, well, then it takes you over to Rich Roll. There's a guy who's got a story. Yeah, and Rich Roll. And he has a great then, podcast. A lot of people have recommended his podcast on this podcast. Oh yeah, no, I listen to his podcast uh, most certainly, um, but but then you get on to, to Scott Jurek, and, oh, amazing and guy. He, yeah, and then you're off to um, Matt Fraser, the no meat athlete, and it just it just starts to it just starts to grow, and you realize there are so many resources out there. Like I said, that's you know the athletic side. If you look just into the um, look into the um, whether it be the cookbook side or um, some of the other resource materials. It's never ending. I mean, I've got, I, you know, I just got, uh, I don't know if you read Dr. Garth Davis's book yet, but uh, that's waiting for me as I finish up um, Dr. Graver's book. So there's just, there's, it's overwhelming sometimes, I think, the amount of resources that are out there for people. And that's, I think that's true about when you change this diet, because I remember when I decided to be vegan and plant-based, I felt like every time I turned around, I had to learn something else, and I was so overwhelmed, and it made me want to give up, because it just seemed like such a big mountain, and I was never going to figure it out, and I just kind of was like, calm down, Lindsay, take it a breath at a time, if you screw up or don't get it right, one of the times you fail, you slip, it happens, just, you know, don't let it overwhelm, find one thing, stick with that, as it starts to work, you know, expand a little more, expand a little more. Cause I can be that way. I'll start trying to overconsume, And I'm like, but I didn't listen to every one of his podcasts. That's fine. I don't know if it would realistically, I don't know if we could take in all the information. Very there. true. Very um, true. I, I mean, it, it's just, there's so much, but, but the great thing about, you know, what you do take in is, let me see, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. A little <laughs> bit. I was at a, um, I was at a friend's party. Uh, they had a Christmas party recently. And, uh, Next thing you know, I'm offering to put together a uh, a PowerPoint for some of my friends that were there that want to get together with Lisa and I and look at the plant-based um, diet and learn more about it. And I thought, who goes to a PowerPoint or who goes to a Christmas party and does that? Most people go to those Christmas <laughs> parties and end up doing karaoke. I go to a Christmas party and I end up offering to put together a PowerPoint on plant-based living. Who does that? You. <laughs> you are who does I, it. I don't even do I, that. <laughs> I, I keep getting text messages from them. Hey, when's the PowerPoint coming along? I said, you know, I don't think there's going to be a PowerPoint, but I'll tell you what, I'll have you guys over to the house. I'll make some plant-based stuff and um, we'll have some good discussion and I'll try and pass on a few of the things that, that I know. I know that um, we had to get together recently and uh, we made it a point because we have a few friends that are plant-based and some of them are, are they're a hundred percent. They don't, they don't really eat outside of that at all. So we made sure that we had plenty of plant-based options. In fact, a friend of ours um, came over. She's both dairy-free and gluten-free, and we had more than enough for her to choose from. She was overwhelmed. She was actually very excited that there was so much for her to be able to enjoy. She goes, I go to most parties, and I, the furthest I can get is the, um, the vegetable planters. The, the crudités. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> Yeah. I, I remember being at a party once and, uh, and I was, all that was available for me was the vegetable platter. So I was having some and um, one of the people goes, oh, aren't you going to have any of that? I said, no, you know what? I don't eat that. I only, you know, this way. And she goes, well, where do you get your protein? And it's <laughs> called Aaron smart mouth fashion. I said, well, I don't know. How much do I need? And she goes, well, I don't know, but as long as you're getting all your 
essential aminos. I thought, okay. okay. <laughs> We're good. You know, or you, you get those people. Well, where do you get your protein? Well, I don't know. How much do I need? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of Quashia Core? <laughs> What's that? Oh, is that how you say okay. it? I'm always like, is it Quashia? I have no idea. I've always struggled with that I have word. No- I have no idea. Okay, yeah, we're both wrong then. <laughs> yeah, I just say it to be a wise guy sometimes because, again, and like I said earlier, I ask the same question of people I found out that were vegan or plant-based years ago. Where do you get this? And and we've all been there. We've all done it. We've all heard it. Uh, people become nutritional experts, and, and that's okay. You know what? Because the way I look at it is these are learning opportunities. If somebody asks me where I get my protein, it's a now an opportunity for me to educate them a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you, I get it in all kinds of places and in all kinds of great foods. There's plenty out there. And then I usually will send them a, a link or a picture of a bunch of different plant-based proteins. And sometimes that sparks great conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand getting annoyed. I certainly do um, get tired of it. Everyone does. But if you can just hold off and and see it as this really great opportunity to plant a seed and educate and kind of dispel the myth, you enjoy it more. And you actually might be the person that changes that person's life um, just by answering the question. And because I used to kind of get snarky and be like, well, where do you get your fiber? No one can ever answer me, by the way. Um, but I do like the, oh, how much do I need? But it's true. And this comes <laughs> this comes up all the time in the forums and in the member group and even on this podcast where it's like when all of us were eating the worst garbage on the planet and it was obvious by the way we looked that we weren't healthy, no one was worried about our protein or our health or our nutrition. But the second they find out that we're vegan or plant-based, OMG, they're nutritional experts and they're very concerned for us. No. And I, you know, it's, I was, we were somewhere and that question came up, you know, where do you get your protein? And I did the whole surprise shock thing. Well, how much do I need? And all of a sudden, <laughs> out of the corner of my eye, I got the, the glare from my wife. And just <laughs> to say, Don't start. <laughs> but it, it is good. And I often wonder, you know, like you just said, people, where were the folks when we were eating unhealthy? And they were usually right there alongside of me. I mean, you know, like I said, I, 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 I would eat some, you know, Bacon and eggs for lunch, BLT for or bacon and eggs for breakfast, a BLT for lunch, and a bacon cheeseburger for dinner. And I was surrounded with great friends, and we we're having the time of our lives. Mm-hmm. But when it got to the point where it was going, it was starting to affect my health. That's when I had to make the change and hopefully help others or to help educate them, or even if they don't go whole foods plant based, to at least eat my example and show them that hey, look at this stuff's pretty good. Make them some food. There's very horrible vegan junk foods out there. You pointed out before that Oreos by accident are vegan. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember once telling the guys, Hey guys, I'm going to make a vegan mac and cheese. Well, as I'm making this meal, Lindsay, I pour a cup of oil into it. (laughs) What did I just do? I just added 2000 calories to this meal I'm making, but Hey, guess what? It's vegan. So that again, that's that opportunity for us to step, stand back and look and go, okay, not everything that is vegan and, you know, in quotations is necessarily a good food, you know? Um, so it's, we really want to take a better look at what we do. And I get the transitional foods and I've done the transitional foods and I probably have some in my freezer here, but we try to go at those a little bit at a time um, and, and slowly phase out of those and, uh, and turn to them less and less, but you know, and this is, a, yeah, this is a topic that also comes up on the podcast a lot. And I've even said this is when I first, when I was a child vegetarian, there was like one veggie burger sold at the store and it was disgusting and it gross and it stunk up the whole house and cardboard, honestly, that it was sold and tasted better. And um, now you go to the grocery store and there's so many that we would talk about them for an hour and only list the first, you know, refrigerator full. And um, so for a while, even though I was well past the transition period, I'd be like, oh, this new thing and it's vegan. I should try it because you spend so long of your life with all of these foods you choose not to have. Notice I didn't say you can't have, you're choosing not to have them. But now when you can choose it, you're very tempted. And that even still happens to me 10 years later. I'm like, oh, look at that new vegan cheese. Maybe I should buy it and try it. And then I'm like, why would I, what am I doing? I do not need this in my life. It's not healthy. <laughs> um, and it's not my birthday and I'm not having a party. So <laughs> I don't need to buy this on Tuesday. No, I, and, and I agree. And, and uh, you know, I know that you've got, uh, you've got a, 
a black bean burger and, and one of the latest meal plans. It's what, what maybe four or five different ingredients, just the black mm-hmm. beans itself. Yeah, uh, six ingredients, 15 minutes. There you go. And we're looking forward to trying that here soon. We're going to do oh. that. I'm a lover of hamburgers. You're um, going to love uh, it. You're going to make them all the time and be like, can we make 50 of these and have them as a oh, snack? See, and, so good. And that's one thing I, I got to say. That's one thing I miss. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other things, but well, we live in California and it's the, you know, it's the, the home of in and out. Yes, it is. And, uh, People oh, think it's like I, I've missed out on life because I've never had in and out. Because when I moved to California, I was already vegan. And I was like, I don't know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's it's funny. Years ago, we were um, we were away at a kids camp and we had a speaker coming in that I had to go to the airport and pick up. And the speaker was from the Midwest. And I went to the airport. I picked him up, got him into the car. We had about a well, we had about an hour, hour and a half drive to, to the camp. And I said, okay, is there anything you'd like to do, you know, before we head up to camp? And first words out of his mouth, in and out burger. No. Oh, that's, that's the first thing he wanted. That's all the way to California. But I miss that stuff. But it's been nice with, like I said, you know, I miss, I miss a, a, a good old fashioned hamburger, but it's been nice with the transitional stuff or the black bean burgers or, or what have you that um, you can, you can still have that that feel, I guess it is. I don't know. Just that comfort. Maybe it's just a comfort thing. Like you, like you mentioned earlier with, uh, with, uh, one of the members and the Mac and cheese. Oh, right. Um, it's that comfort thing every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Invoking the memories. I mean, I really, I mean, I don't, I never liked hot dogs. It's weird. I never ate them even as an omnivore. And, um, but then I don't know. One day I went to a baseball game and everyone was eating hot dogs and they just happened to have a veggie dog. And so I, I don't know, I did it and it was, it was good, but I was just like, yeah, once or twice a year, I'm totally going to throw down a vegan hot dog at a baseball game and be American for the afternoon. Yeah. And I, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's okay. everyone. You know, like I said, there's, there's, that food's out there. And if, if we have to have it to make us feel comfortable or if we have to have it because that's what's the social situation or just Heck, if we just want, want it, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's cool. okay. I mean, I, your, your, um, progress, not perfection, um, statement is, is probably one of the best things going out there. I mean, it's so awesome, um, that, uh, that people can see, you know what? I don't have to, I don't have to be perfect and I don't just have to eat a salad and I don't just have to eat, you know, vegetables and fruits all day. I mean, they can, they can have a little bit of different stuff and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what I tell myself too. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes you just want to have a vegan slice of chocolate cake on your birthday. And so you do. And it's funny because every time I do end up eating one of those like hot dogs or whatever, and then I feel bloated for two days, I'm like, ah, and there we go. And there's the reminder why I eat the whole grains and the beans and the fruits and the vegetables. <laughs> And you're laughing, yeah, so I no. know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I tell you, there's a, a Whole Foods nearest makes a vegan chocolate cupcake. Oh, see, we and need to stop talking I, right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I avoid that section of the store because I know that I will go over there and I'll have one or two or a dozen. Um, <laughs> Because it's a weakness, you know, uh, occasionally, every once in a while, I'll either get one or, you know, my wife will buy one and bring it home. And they're a good treat occasionally. But it's funny you talk about not feeling good for two days. We have uh, every year there's a business near the station I, I'm working at now, I'm assigned to now, that delivers um, pizzas to all the different shifts during the holidays. And I walked in one night or one late afternoon. I said, hey, you guys, you know, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Well, dinner's here. And I looked and there were some pizzas that had been delivered. I thought, ah, here we go. So I, of course, migrated towards the veggie pizza. And I got to tell you, for um, two days, I felt bad. I did not feel good for two days. So that tells me that, you know what, your body, you've really grown accustomed to this plant-based lifestyle. And maybe it's time that that whole five to 10% thing become a thing of the past. Because look at what it's done to you here with just this, this little bit of, uh, dairy you had tonight so it was kind of an interesting experience i know i came home talk with lisa about it a little bit told her i said yeah I, I don't know if i'm going to be able to do this anymore and that was um i had sort of a similar experience with salt as i wasn't i was kind of like well if a little salt makes food palatable it's fine and i still believe that and i tell the members all the time especially when you're first starting on the meal plans if things taste bland because you've been eating like really processed foods you know a little salt can go a long way with your family um, but for me, as I removed salt from my house, and I didn't really think much of it, 
And then after a few months, I was out to, I was in New York visiting family and I wanted to go to my most favorite restaurant, loved it when I lived there, went all the time. I ordered my most favorite dish. I had been dreaming about it for weeks before the trip. I was practically drooling walking into the restaurant. So excited, so excited. And it was too salty. I couldn't eat it because it was so salty. And so I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I think your chef messed up. This is so salty. I can't eat it. And they're, oh my God, I'm so sorry. They go back, they bring me another one in the same thing. It's so salty. I can't even eat it. Well, at this point, my family who still lives in New York and still goes to this restaurant all the time, just not with me because I live somewhere else now, they started taking bites of my food and were like, Lindsay, honestly, I think it could use salt. It tastes bland. And that's when I was like, wow, <laughs> I guess, I guess I have changed my tastes. No, the, the, I mean, and, and everything you read talks about your palate changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in fact, I was just reading uh, Dr. And I'm, I'm reading Dr. Greger's book so slowly because I'm trying to absorb it. And, I'm and it is a great, everything. it's a wonderful book and it's new. It's only been out for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, and it's uh, uh, it's great. But he was talking last night about, or uh, he was not last night. Um, portion I was reading talked about, uh, you know, two to three weeks for your palate to change, if you will, to get used to, you know, don't have a candy bar, have a have a, a piece of fruit, and then wait, you know, and then watch that after a couple of weeks, you won't crave that candy bar anymore, and the taste of it will be different to you. And I thought, okay, so I get the salt thing. I know what you're saying with that. You know, the, the salt thing, not the tough one. Like I said, I love potato chips. And I, I know I talk about that in the, uh, on the website and in the book. And I got one of those, um, you know, make your own potato chip in the microwave type deals. The problem is, is that I can't make them fast enough. Because as soon as I bring a tray out, I eat them. <laughs> yeah, someone got me one of those microwave chip things a few Christmases ago. And I was like, this is not really the, I mean, it's better in the sense that it's not covered with oil and salt. But I end up plowing them in my face just as fast. So, uh yeah. I, I think it's better that I, I just don't make them. <laughs> as, I, as I jokingly tell people once, I was, uh, I was reading an article in a, in a magazine about fueling, uh, you know, pre, during, and then post-workout, you know, how to properly fuel. And I was reading this article while I was shuffling, shoveling ruffles into my mouth in an embarrassing way. <laughs> I'm the same way with popcorn. Like, I start with, like, I'm just going to have a few at a time. Then I'm like, Rah! like. Yeah. Shoving on. So I don't eat that either anymore. <laughs> I used to apologize. I used to apologize to the people around me before I started eating popcorn because I was going to embarrass myself. Yeah, I don't think anyone is. I think that's true for everybody. Popcorn is just it's very it's a humbling food. No, I, I love it. But I do appreciate you saying that oil being very difficult. And I think that's that's definitely something I hear all the time is is it tends to be the hardest. Like you said, it's ingrained in us as a major thing of cooking. It's in everything. I am shocked when I pick up cans of beans or bags of frozen vegetables and it has oil in it. I'm like, why? Um, And of course, eating out is incredibly difficult to avoid. And so I think even after 10 years and being very diligent, I think I'm probably if 90% because it's just it's it's impossible to always avoid and then there's times like I'm traveling and I'm like wow that's bread and I just need to you know I'm going to eat it and I I don't know it probably had some oil in it or something but I'm in an airport and I'm running to catch my next flight I just want my veggie sandwich (laughs) no no and and uh I mean what are they actually I I remember in uh I want to say it was on the, the website or the Facebook page you talked about Subway and the new uh patties they have that are that are um and it's always funny at the end of that um at the end of the line after they make your sandwich you know oh oil and vinegar yeah no. right yeah I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm just the vinegar <laughs> um but you're yeah it's everywhere i know that those tubs of hummus you can buy at like a costco or Sam. Oh, right mm-hmm. um again i i you know hummus that's going to become my new thing but if you look at them there's that layer of oil floating on the top and you're thinking why yeah, so unneeded. It's so yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. So that's something that we're starting to do too is, you know, make make our own hummus. I've done it at work a couple of times, you know, and made it without the oil. And it's it's most certainly one of those things that you have to, and I know you have it in the um DIY um cookbook on you know for the uh, Oh in the member library, yeah, on the dashboard. Uh-huh, on the dashboard. That what I have found personally, and this is maybe just me because at times I'm not a good cook, but just trying to find I think what I'm trying to do is replicate the hummus that you find in the store and without oil, for me, it's just, it's a, it's a experimental process. 
Try the um, the bean liquid from the can. I find in the food processor, it kind of gives oh. that consistency. Yeah, it works really well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not all the liquid, because then it would be runny, but try a little bit of it. Or two, also, the next time, if you boil or um, cook potatoes, like not bake them in the oven, but where there's water involved, save some of the starchy water mm. or pasta. The next time you cook pasta, save some of the starchy water. And that is a really nice like mm. thickener for stuff like sauces or hummus. And it does it the way oil does for the texture. See, learn something new. Look See, at we learn that. something new all the time. Yeah, <laughs> new tip of the day. Well, it has been amazing having you on, Aaron. I, I have to have you on again because there's still so much more we can talk about. And um, it's so fun having you. And you've been such a great resource for me through my career. So I appreciate it very much. Do you have any final wisdom to say to all of the fellow members and all of our listeners? Maybe people who are a little nervous to begin? As far as those that are nervous to begin, for me, it was just grabbing a book. I just grabbed a book and I, I read it. I absorbed it. I highlighted it. I reread it. I just, I, I went crazy. And with that book and that book led me, one book leads you to so many others. For me personally, go slowly with your transition. You don't have to do it overnight. For some, it works because that's what they can do that. Like you mentioned your friend, boom, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And they stopped. For others, it might be a, a slow process. There are so many resources out there, it's um, unimaginable. I mean, it just, it goes hey, right, There's more that, whatever you need, it's there. There's so many at your fingertips online these days. Right. And and if you want something, and for example, I'll, I'll give this, uh, that old Campbell's bean with bacon soup, I grew up on that stuff. And what's sad to think about now is how much sodium, because I you can't just have the soup. You got to put a half a you know, container of crackers in there, <laughs> but I, you, you have that craving. So I typed in vegan being with, Oh, look at this. Here's a vegan version of it. Wow. We okay. actually had it on I the meal the- plan a few months ago. Cause I had to do that for my dad. Cause like you, he was obsessed with it before he was plant-based. And so it's all he wanted for his birthday. Lindsay, please recreate it for me. Oh, so I'll have to go back and find it. I, I, how did I miss that? That's oh. I think it was for I'll, his birthday. I think it was November, a November meal plan. Cause it was for his birthday. Okay, I'll I'll find it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's but, true. You could I do that all the time. Um, when someone's like, I so I recently found out I was Jewish. I was adopted, so I didn't know that I was Jewish until recently. And so this was my mm-hmm. first Hanukkah. And you want to know the first thing I did? Google vegan Hanukkah recipes. <laughs> I know. Granted, I had to tweak all of them to not use oil and various other things, but that's how. That's what I did. Yeah, and and you know, like, and see, you had success, and the success is out there. But if you're new, talk to people you know that are plant-based, grab a book, Google is your friend, don't be afraid to make mistakes, don't be afraid to start again. If you start and you stop and you start and you stop, just keep trying. That's, I mean, that's just the key is, is it can keep be done. Progress. Look, I, I, I could sit down at one time in my life, I could sit down and eat a pound of bacon and not think twice about it. I wouldn't give it a second thought until my health was at risk. That's what woke me up was you know, my, my health, that was the catalyst for me to do all of this. I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to be, you know, get in better shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still working on that. I'm still trying to get in better shape. I'm still trying to eat healthier, but, uh, you know, I've made, uh, some strides. And I think most people can do that. I think they understand the resources are always out there. You've got a great resource in the, uh, the message boards. Oh, um, the member forums are questions. wonderful. The member forums, the Facebook page. I see a lot of questions asked. I see a lot of different answers. It's been really great. Like I said, I learned from there too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing you said earlier, and you said this specifically with training to be running, but I think this also contributes to changing and training with your diet is you said you had to train consistently and have a good plan and I think that's true of everything whether you're going to run a marathon or you're going to change your diet like you said you have to do it consistently just keep trying you know even if it doesn't go so good one day just keep trying and have that plan in place which like the meal plan or even just like you said knowing what you're going to do reading a book right and much like the app the running app that I had it spilled out for me when I should walk when I should run when I should rest the meal plans spell out for you. Here's your meals for the week. Here's what you can do. Sometimes I think I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm not quite sure the term I'm looking for. Not, not necessarily fully black and white, but I like, like to think, kind of have things spelled out for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that 
with the meal plans, with the running app and that kind of stuff. So it's able to walk me down that path and it makes it a little bit easier for me instead of just like I mentioned earlier, there's nights where we just look and go, well, I don't know what's for dinner. We'll come up with something. Right. Not having a plan like that. Not having a plan like that when you're, or not having a plan period when you're just getting into this, um, I think can possibly discourage you. So if you have that plan, it will be easier on you and um, easier to, to keep moving forward. Absolutely. Having a plan really, I think, saves you because you're just, you're tired and you don't know what to do. I'm the same way. I need to know what to do step by step. I need to know exactly what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to run, when I'm supposed to rest. I never would have been able to run. I've ran marathons too. No way could I have done it without a plan, without some kind of a training yeah. schedule. I would have probably been like you, tried to run 10 miles and been like, whoa, I'm ready for 26.2, which is more than double of what I've already done. It's almost three times longer, but whatever. Yeah. No, no, that wasn't smart. <laughs> no, we, but we lived and we learned. So, well, I, like I yeah, said, Aaron, please. it's always been wonderful talking to you. You've been a great resource to me. If you haven't read his story in the Happy River Guide to Plant Based Living, do it. He's also has a wonderful write up as Herbie of the Week on happyherbivore.com. And of course, if you are a member, you've probably talked with Aaron in the forums and in the Facebook group. And now he's been here on the podcast. And if you want to learn more about the meal plans in our community, go to getmealplans.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, podcast, please consider leaving us a review on Amazon. I appreciate it. All my amazing co-pilots like Aaron appreciate it. And of course, thank you, Aaron, for coming on today. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. Have a great evening, everyone. Bye.